The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media US. We have a tremendous responsibility to communicate accurate information, correct misinformation, but also constantly be on the forefront of thinking about new ways of reaching people. AI is going to be a tremendous game changer for every industry. I think though we're going to see the real fruits of its labor happen in 10 years, maybe not in two years. We just have to figure out ways to get out there, show and demonstrate people the difference that we can make in everyday lives. And that's really what I'm passionate about and really would love our industry to see us doing even more of that, even more of that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special podcast conversation brought to you by PR Week in partnership with Real Chemistry. We've got a fantastic uh, discussion ahead. We're going to talk to three PR Week Health Influencer 30 honorees and discuss the importance of healthcare communications, which is a massive part of the overall tapestry of PR probably makes up 25 to 30 percent of the whole industry and we're going to talk about the key themes for healthcare communicators as we lead into 2024 which is going to be such a busy year i think um, 2023 has been busy enough but 24 is going to be even more crazy so really delighted to bring you this conversation i'm steve barrett vp editorial director of pr week us and delighted to welcome golden masara who's chief communications culture and experience officer at city of hope Beth Roden, Senior Vice President and Head of Communications for Bayer US, Communications Business Partner for Consumer Health North America, and Jennifer Gottlieb, Global President, Chief Clients Officer at Real Chemistry. Welcome, everybody, and really looking forward to the discussion. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Okay, so we love our health influencer list. We brought it in a few years ago, and you three have made regular appearances on the list, and you're on this year's list. But what does healthcare influence mean these days? Because the concept of influence has changed a lot, hasn't it, over the over the years? And um, Jen, why don't you start with this one and just sort of tell us what it, what it means to you in, in 2023 and moving into 24? Sure. Thanks, Steve. Uh, first, thank you so much for honoring me on the list this year. I'm always so proud to be on this list. It's one of the lists you actually get on and don't know about in advance because you haven't actually applied for it. You you all choose us and it's always nice to be discovered and chosen like that. It, it means so much. I think for health influence, for me, it kind of says it all in, in those two words. I mean, those of us who are in communications, I think we all know that communications is leadership and communications, you know, we work hard every day to make sure communications has the right seat at the table and the voice in every important discussion. And I always say we are in the rooms where it happens, um, both for me when I'm working with clients like Beth and Gulden, or they are as, as in-house communicators. I think also, but when you put the healthcare piece on top of that, it becomes even more purposeful and more meaningful. Most of us who are in communications focused on healthcare, um, I think we are, we're, we are a a special group of communicators that have a multifaceted challenge ahead of us in multiple ways that maybe other communicators don't always understand or have. We work in a highly regulated environment. Um, and with all the changes in technology, I think the word influence has kind of taken its own its own persona. Um, and, you know, the most important thing for me be, being honored for this is that I always say that communications and public relations, if you if you refer it to, to that that way, is influence. 
So in this age of the influencer, nobody's more important, in my opinion, than the communicator. Yeah, well said, Jen. I think that's absolutely true. And, um, the you know, the days of relying on just on paid advertising to get the messages across and influence uh, consumers is, is, is gone, isn't it? Beth, from the big corporate side with lots of big brands, what does is, what is influence in the health space mean to you? Yeah, I would I would echo what Jen said, you know, honored to be on this list again. And, and it is one of those lists that you are selected for versus having to submit for. So that that makes it extra special. And I think it's also a great recognition of the work of the team. And so, you know, really honored to to be on this list again. I, you know, building on top of what Jen said, I think taking that influence and having that seat at the table and then taking it a step further and actually doing something with it. So I think we we sit at the intersection of so many different pieces of the company and we really have the opportunity to put that together and really go out and do something and actually make change happen and to be the catalyst um, of that. So I, I look at you know us in these roles as really helping make change happen and making our world a better place. And, and I think that's how I look at it. Yeah, good one. Golden, you, you've, you're working in a hospital system and we're in specialist areas, but you've worked across the board in different areas of healthcare and pharma over the years. What, what does influence mean for you in this space? Thanks, Dave. Also, thank you for honoring me on the, on the list as well. I think it's a really, really important space to be in. And as you know, I've been working in healthcare communications my whole career since the 90s. And I was thinking about the influence of healthcare communications Three things come to mind. One is people care about health, full stop, right? So therefore, healthcare always matters and it's always relevant. Even when I was a child, I remember my grandma in Istanbul, you know, cutting out newspaper clippings and telling the family about, you know, there's a new thing for cholesterol, eat an apple a day. And so the news had impact on her. She had impact on the family. Number two is the amount of innovation in healthcare has exploded, over the past two decades, new drugs, new ways of reaching people, new health outlets, uh, virtual appointments, in-home care, um, new health systems. And so with that, reaching and creating awareness among people is really, really important. And the third really goes to what we've been talking about with regards to new influencers. It's traditional health news, but if now there are influencers, celebrities, um, social media leaders who talk about their own health or things that work for them, things that don't. So we have a tremendous responsibility to communicate accurate information, correct misinformation, but also constantly be on the forefront of thinking about new ways of reaching people. Yeah, that's a great segue, Gildan, into um, the first topic, which is mis- there's, there's so much more access to information than there used to be. And you mentioned social media. People are searching online, getting their own information. Google isn't necessarily the search engine of choice, especially for some uh, generations, the younger generation. And TikTok is, is, is a massively important part of young people's lives. So let's talk about that because that's good in that people can get more information, but then it, it leads to potential misinformation. And um, that that's definitely become a huge challenge across the board, but especially in healthcare. And, you know, people are getting news in inverted commas from TikTok. We know that X is not a, not a safe space anymore and is really not to be trusted. So, Beth, I want to start with you on this one. How do you see healthcare communicators um, as such as yourselves and, and your teams 
as a tool against that misinformation? And, and what are the opp- opportunities as well? Because they're very powerful channels. So to maybe talk a little bit to that. Yeah, I think um, it's a great question and something I think we are all challenged with in this space. So we have a pharmaceutical business, we have a consumer health business, and we have an agriculture business. So we're really living at that intersection of, of health and, and nutrition. And you know, we can't ignore the channels. We have to figure out the best ways to actually engage and how do you find those content creators, those influencers, and frankly, thinking about fostering relationships and getting to know who those folks are that can best represent your brand. No different than when, you know, in the olden days and traditionally working with journalists, right, and fostering the relationship and getting to understand those folks that were, are in your beat. You know, we do we do a lot of that and really look at how can we use creativity and, and how can we help cut through that clutter to be in the space where we know people are at? So, you know, no longer, and I'm aging myself right now, but, you know, I remember the day when we didn't have the internet and then social media came forward and you can't just rely on your own content anymore. And you really have to think about engaging and doing and cutting through the clutter and really sparking an interest where somebody's curious enough to come back and want to learn more about what you're doing. And I think, it's, it's the blessing of, and the curse of the suite of tools that we have today, and I'm sure more and more will come, is that we can get to people faster and quicker, but equally soak in the misinformation. And I think when you're talking about health and our food and agriculture you know, space, there's just so much misinformation that I think we need to think differently, too, from an industry perspective. Are there things we could do better to cut through the misinformation out there so that we're actually helping consumers and, and individuals get to the to the heart of really the sciences behind so much of the innovation um, and technology we're bringing forward. So I think that will continue to be uh, a challenge and an opportunity for communicators as we go forward. Yeah, definitely. It's not a one-way uh, conversation anymore, is it? It's very much two-way and even three-way. So three-way. Jen, yeah. yeah. Um, looking across your client mix, how do you pick uh, an influencer that is going to be credible and that you know is not going to, you know, damage the brand that you're working with. They can be incredibly powerful. And we saw things like in the in COVID, the distance dance had a reach and getting that message over of, of distancing, unlike anything that could probably have been achieved before, but there are other not so great examples. So maybe talk to that a little, a little bit. Sure. I think everybody knows we, we've been kind of ahead of the curve on analytics and data as an organization for a long time. And we were putting analytics and data against influencers, you know, 10, more than 10 years ago. And I think for us, um, we really do rely on that as a checks and balances. It's not just, oh, does that person have a relevant condition? Does that person speak to our target audience? We really thoroughly vet them in many different ways, both from, let's say we're talking patients or consumers or caregivers, like how are they relevant to them? What have they talked about outside of their health condition? You know, are they, do they speak to the values of the client that we're working with? We also work in partnership with clients like Golden and Beth and their teams. Um, it is a real team effort. There is a huge vetting process. Um, and that's obviously talking about more like you're talking, you can talk about the highest profile influencer, like somebody who's a notable figure, whether it be a celebrity or sometimes it's somebody else that's an influential person in the world. But it also now is, is influenced by, regular patients. There's a lot of patient ambassadorship going on. There's a ton of um, physician-related influencer work that we do. So it really is just being really thoughtful, Steve, and making sure that everybody has the same set of kind of purpose and values in the assignment. But more importantly, it also is, will the patient or person we're trying to reach actually relate and are they relevant to the person? 
and are they speaking in their voice? And we do really look at the feedback that comes back oftentimes when we're doing social to see, is their commentary coming back? Wow, this person really understands me. Nobody's ever, I I feel seen. Nobody's ever talked about my condition related to that specific issue. So I I do think that we're able to see in real time if if it's meaningful and working. Yeah, so it's it's influence of the scale of something like a Kardashian at one end of the scale, but they're micro-influences with real specialist knowledge and expertise at the other end of it. So, Gulden, how are you combating misinformation and um, how are you, you know, using it, it as these, this new media as an opportunity to, to get your, uh, you know, your key messages across? So, you know, when you think about who influences healthcare decision-making, at the top of that list is really your physician, right? So I work for a national um, healthcare system that's really focused on cancer and diabetes. In our case, because we have so many physicians within our system, because we have so many nurses, but we also have a research arm and also a development arm for, for many of the medications that that City of Hope actually is at the forefront of designing. Um, Influence through our physicians is obviously primary for for the patients who choose to come to City of Hope. But beyond that, the piece around getting out the word and creating awareness is, is really important. And we do leverage social media. We do leverage patients and patient stories are very, very impactful. Uh, People are always looking for people like me, people like my friend, and just being able to tap into those stories has been very, very powerful for us. And the other part of it is the research stories. Um, Just, you know, lifting, I would say, like the hood from behind the scenes of how is research conducted? How did we approach a scientific challenge we wanted to solve for? And how did we go forward in doing that? I think that's been really impactful. I've seen also in my career doing pharma, Whenever we let the media into, you know, a pharmaceutical research um, engine, that helped uh, create more awareness and more influence and more trust, quite frankly, in the science and in the industry overall. And just having, you know, talked a little bit about influencers, I remember back in the 90s when I first uh, was starting in the world of healthcare communications, I was at Pfizer and we at the time had partnered with Pele and he was one of the first celebrity influencers. It was about erectile dysfunction. We were at the time launching Viagra and it was so innovative. It was so new. And now it's become something that people just expect. It's it's a constant. And so it's not that easy to break through anymore with celebrities. So this whole mix of being able to tell your own stories, get patient stories out, but also as Beth and Jen said, to, to partner with others to make sure you can break through, I think is increasingly important. Yeah, he was like the, the ultimate global influencer, wasn't he? He was Ronaldo and Messi all in one. That's and right. An absolutely fantastic reputation. Great, great, great guy. And uh, rest in peace, Pele. Jen, 2023, you couldn't turn a corner without being uh, barraged with information about AI. And, uh, you know, are we going to be overtaken by robots, et cetera, or replaced? <laughs> now, Real Chemistry has led on this. So t- tell us, cut through the hype a bit, because there's a lot of talk, but, you know, not so much substance. Tell us what it's really going to mean for healthcare communications, especially, and maybe what are the, the real possibilities of this beyond the, beyond the hype and just talking about it and experimenting. Thanks, Steve. I was really looking forward to this part of the conversation. And I'm glad you said the word hype before I did. So I actually feel very similarly. I 
obviously being communicators, we look at things through a different lens, right? And as excited as I am about AI, and we were, you know, our branding is actually AI to ideas as a firm. And then we came up with that before this all hit, before chat GBT. So I felt a little ahead of my time, but at the same time, then this influx of everybody talking about it and, and, um, you want to talk about information and misinformation, like cutting through the clutter at that speed um, was is really challenging. It's challenging for everybody, users of AI, you know, patients and caregivers and healthcare providers, all of us as industry leaders and yourself as an industry influencer and leader. So I think that the way I look at it is that AI is going to be a tremendous game changer for every industry. I think though we're going to see the real fruits of its labor happen in 10 years, maybe not in two years. I think everybody thinks overnight everything is going to change. I think we're already starting to see that things settle out a little bit and people taking a step back and saying, what are the few things we can do now to learn about this, experiment with it in a safe, you know, in our industry, regulatorily sound way. I think that for us, we're we're taking a very, like I said, experimental approach, but like experimental with thought. You know, we'll have an educated hypothesis about something that might work for a client and we'll talk, talk to the client and we'll like experiment together. For example, with generative AI, with creative, we have a lot of clients that are really excited about, well, let's get some testimonies from patients. Let's get some information. Let's put it through the system and see what comes out creatively. Like, and let's test that. So there's, there's definitely an appetite for experimentation, but with, like I said, kind of with some guardrails. Um, I think the other thing that is important, again, talking about being in a regulator, regulated industry is I've actually done a few speaking engagements with legal teams from our clients as well as from our company because everybody's coming to legal asking like, what can we do? What can we not do? And it really reminds me of social media. When social media came of age, it was like, we need guidelines. How are we going to handle this? And I think the lawyers have been really good at talking about, you know, you kind of have to follow the same guardrails that you have in place for other communications right now. What you use for social, what you use for digital, like stay within those guardrails. And when something feels a little outside of that, come to us. Um, so they're learning, learning together as well. And then the last piece is for us as an organization, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this in communications, how are we going to use AI and machine learning to actually just be more efficient? And that helps us and it helps clients like Beth and Goulden. And we have put a number of technologies in place at Real Chemistry, uh, like Writer AI and a couple of other tools that we have been using to try to like take the more simple tasks and make them more efficient to, to free us up to do more strategic work, to do more meaningful work, to ideate, to create. And that is actually starting to prove out. I would never let my AI, uh, my ChatGBT memo go out without me wordsmithing it and reviewing it. I'm not there yet personally, but I do think it gives you a head start and saves some time. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we saw what happened with Sports Illustrated on the media side when they got in a lot of hot water with these so- yes. so-called journalists, <laughs> which were you know fabricated. There's a lot to get through in this combo, but Beth, any quick thoughts on, or have you seen anything you thought, wow, yeah, this is the this is the future. This is the p- potential. I think from an AI perspective, you know, our businesses are definitely using it, and you think through the innovation space and and how that can help there. I think from a communication space, we're in a test and learn, as Jen said. You know, working with our our agency partners and looking at how we can help it alleviate some of those more simple tasks. But I think the one thread, and and we 
we just ended, uh, Jen, just, and you just brought it up is you've got to have the human element. I mean, the, the tone, the feeling, the actual eyeballs on it, um, by a real human to make sure that it's going to carry forward your message, I think is super critical. So I look at it as another way to help be more efficient, you know, help create things kind of like in the olden days when we went from doing layouts on, you know, three papers to having a computer to help us out with it. But I think it still ultimately is going to need a, a person that understands the nuances, the culture, and can put that texture into that to really make it successful. Yeah, but I think the conclusion is it's going to be around, isn't it? It's not like the sort of some of the trends that disappear in a year, you know, the NFTs or whatever, this one's going to stick around. For sure. For the next topic, I wanted to lead off with you, Gold. In the healthcare industry, we, we're still dealing with the impacts of COVID, Um from reputational swings in the pharma industry to the move to you know a more virtual care and increased provider burnout, but it's interesting to consider. You know, if we had another pandemic tomorrow, for example, would our healthcare systems be better set up to succeed this time around? Because it clearly the, the pandemic proved that there were there were a lot of uh, deficits in that area, and you've got that perspective from looking at an institution that's that's got to figure this stuff out. So what's your take on that very important issue? COVID changed so much fundamentally on so many different levels around the world and, and certainly in healthcare. I think for one, it definitely increased, you know, just the general populations of focus on all things health, but also respect for um, an interest in research and new innovation in medications and whatnot. For me, you know, working for a cancer-focused um, health system through COVID, one of the things at the time we, we, we observed was there was a lot of decline in healthcare in cancer screenings because people just didn't want to get outside of their homes, which is very, very understandable. I think, you know, the other thing was that was an important learning was many folks were able to, to work from home, but nurses, doctors, frontline healthcare workers, they, they had to be there every single day. So there was no remote working. So one of the, you know, things around communications that it fundamentally impacted was, you know, getting out the word around the importance of screenings um, and for, for cancer for us, but also thinking about new ways of communicating and just holding the focus on internal communications. I'm cautiously optimistic that if we were to go through another global pandemic, we would be more thoughtful ahead of time in terms of the different implications. There would be fundamental uh, system challenges that would need to be addressed because not everything, as we all know, from an access perspective, from a treatment perspective that was working perfectly, I would say like anywhere else in the world as well. Okay. So building on that, Beth, um, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on that, but what's the one thing you'd want the healthcare industry to focus on next year that we could do better? Yeah, I hope we can look at um, not just talking and convening tables, but really like stepping up and doing more and demonstrating. And we call it, I, I use it with my team, let's talk about more story doing versus just um, storytelling. And I think we we have such great stories to tell in my case, whether I'm talking about you know the role that the farmer plays in, in feeding a growing world population, or we're talking about access to medicines through over-the-counter. So it's, you know, in rural America and places like, like a dollar general, or we're talking about, you know, preventative and, and curative care through our pharmaceuticals. There's so much awesome innovation and we just have to figure out ways to get out there, show and demonstrate people the difference that we can make in everyday lives. And that's really what I'm passionate about and really would love our industry to see us doing even more of that. 
And what else do you see um, moving forward in terms of the healthcare industry in next year since we're sort of coming to the end of 2023? And what can we do better, Beth? I think sometimes we underestimate the power that we can have when we when we come together or that when we you know look to truly showing up. So if I look at in the case of our Take Care Now this year, it was a partnership between Bayer, Kroger, we worked with Feeding America, AgriSafe, and Luke Bryan. And we're all super passionate about making a difference in this case in rural America, because there's such a need from an access to food and access, you know, to medicine. And really, if you talk about a healthier America, you need both. So, you know, just having food and not having access to medicine or self-care or the other, it just, it just won't work. So I think the power of coming together, really, we can make bigger and better outcomes than when we just start to, you know, work in our individual silos. And so I think that is an opportunity as we go forward. And how about you, Jen? What's the one thing the healthcare industry could do better moving into 2024? I think that the one thing the industry can do better is to try to recognize just how much communication is going out there into, you know, the hands of the patient, the caregiver, the physician, the nurse, um, and the general population. I, I think it's just kind of checking ourselves to make sure we're not just rushing to put a lot of information out, but we're being really strategic and targeted and thoughtful with the end in mind of who are we trying to influence and who are we trying to educate? Because, I mean, I can speak just as a healthcare consumer, as well as a person in the industry. Um, it is really hard. And I, and I understand the industry to sift through what's, what's correct, what's related to me, what should I believe? What should I not believe? And AI is just going to complicate that. So I think there's a certain responsibility that we all have to have as communicators to kind of round up everything we talked about, correct the misinformation, you know, be thoughtful about not overwhelming the user of the information and just really being, um, because we can micro target and focus, Steve, you know, use that tool in a way that to the benefit of the person who needs the information for their health. Okay, one topic, Jen, to, and I'd love you to lead on this uh, in terms of healthcare comms in 2024 is GLP-1 agonists. And so how can health communicators expect that ongoing news and attention about this to shape the landscape landscape moving into next year? And um, what can those who aren't working in the diabetes or weight loss space do to break through the noise because it's there's so much interest, I suppose. And I'm sure everyone's mm -hmm. going to their physician and saying, you know, should I be on this drug or that drug? And uh, is this a miracle weight loss cure and all this? Sure. It's not quite as simple as that, is it? So Jen, maybe talk to us a bit about that because I'm sure everyone would love to hear your perspective. Sure. I actually, um, it's great because I actually am not working on a GLP-1 right now. So I feel like I can really speak freely about. You can say what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I, what I really think. I actually, but having somebody who, you know, who is always, to be honest, like struggled with, with weight loss. And that's always been something for me. Like I've always been pretty intrigued with data over time, trying to kind of crack the code on this. I have also spent a lot of my career working in the diabetes space, um, so actually very familiar with the GLP-1s and their promise from that market. And I think it's amazing. So, you know, not to minimize it by saying it's like AI, but I think it's similar to what you said, Steve. There's like hype and then there's hope. And I do think similar to what I said about AI, I think these are game-changing compounds. Um, obviously, we're seeing a tremendous amount of you know, innovation happening from smaller companies as well, trying to get into the, into the market. 
Um, I think everybody is seeing the data and realizing there's so much opportunity. And I do think like any other healthcare area, we are going to see progress we have never seen before in this metabolic area. And, and in particular with obesity, very specifically, you know, you really can't argue the results. I see it every day on my news feeds. I read about it. And I do think that the key though is going to be two things. Number one, for the obesity market in particular, how are physicians and healthcare professionals, nutritionists catching up and making this a holistic solution? Because we all know that, you know, it takes more than the medication. I think we've never had a medication that worked this well. So how do we then incorporate that like we've done for heart disease or any other area where you have a holistic long-term solution? And then the second piece I think is really important to this, Steve, is what is the GLP-1 um, you know, market and this weight loss, what is that impact going to be on other comorbidities? And I think you've got like all this information out there of like people worrying about their heart disease drugs and all these other things. And at the end of the day, we want people to be healthy. We'd be really happy if they didn't have the comorbidities. I don't think that this is going to wipe all of those out overnight, but I think it's going to, um, I do think everybody needs from a communication standpoint to have a perspective and a position on, you know, how this impacts their market. And I think it's a really interesting communications challenge um, because at the end of the day, I will say all of us, I don't care what market you're in, in this industry, you know, we should want people to be healthier and there's no question losing weight is going to make them healthier. Yeah, absolutely. And Gildan, looking forward to 2024, what what do you see as the significant trends uh, emerging in healthcare comms? Well, I think innovation in healthcare is definitely going to continue. Um, I think the noise that we're going, we're, we've been talking about is definitely going to continue. Um, I also think that industry consolidation is going to continue in pharma, health system, and whatnot. Those are trends that we're seeing. And I think from a communications perspective, our role is ever important because as we talked about, healthcare is very, very relevant. It's very, very top of mind. It's very important. And I think even as we talk about some of these new drugs that are out on the market, there's always this ebb and flow of new things coming on, people's attention turning there. But at the end of the day, you know, diseases like, you know, cancer, autoimmune disease and others, they are just, you know, part of life. And uh, we're just going to have to continue communicating about the stories of patients, communicating about the new innovations, and also communicating about how uh, people can have access to those because access and having awareness and access at the same time is what really helps change health outcomes. So I think those will be the big areas of focus. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds, um, sounds interesting. Look, we're near the end of the discussion. We're coming to the end of the year. So I want to go around the table and get uh, your New Year's healthcare resolutions. So let's start with you, Beth. What are you going to stop, start, or continue? So let's see. What am I going to start, stop, and continue? I think um, I'm going to I'm going to lean into the what I want to do more of, and that's really the um, story doing and getting out there and thinking of creative ways that we can um, actually show how the impact that we can have versus just thinking through, you know, being more of a storyteller. So that's that's kind of one of the things we want to focus on. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing uh, what you come up with in that respect. And Gulden, how about you? Personally, more exercise, more sleep, continuing to find more joy <laughs> in everything that I do, work, and uh, you know, in my in my personal life. Professionally, 
uh, connecting more and more to uh, my team and to patients that we support and treat, but also to our researchers to continue telling those stories and trying to break through, uh, the clutter is going to be an area of focus. Amen to that. A bit more sleep and a bit more exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can all sign um, up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. January. In January, yeah. Um, and how about you, Jen, to finish this off? Sure. I think for me, I think I'm also going to go forward with the, what are we, what am I going to start and continue? Um, it's hard to say what we're going to stop, Steve. I don't feel like we can ever stop anything. Uh, but in terms of, for me, I'm going to continue to learn and uh, learn in real time myself personally, the AI tools and the machine learning tools. And like, I've been a big believer. I need to really understand things and use them myself before I can really help clients use them. So it's a continued kind of like, extracurricular for me to use that personally and professionally. But then more importantly, I think what am I going to start doing more of and and drive my team to start doing more of? And at the end of the day, I always, you know, I know this is a cliche thing to say, but like content is still king and earned media is, is some of the best content and earned storytelling and kind of what Beth was talking about, but the storytelling and, and that kind of stuff. I just feel like I don't want us all to get so drawn up into the channels and the different mediums and forget what matters, which is the content and being really creative and taking that time to ideate. So getting back to some of the basics of what made, you know, our industry, what it is, I want to make sure we can still start infusing the creativity and the content on a regular basis as things continue to move faster than ever. Yeah. Well said. Look, 2024 is going to be a hell of a year. It's going to be even faster paced than this year. We've got elections, I think 42 elections around the world with all the geopolitical stuff going on. So, and health is is one of the biggest priorities for the planet. So thank you, Golden, Beth and Jen for joining us to chat about this. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks Real Chemistry for the partnership. And here's to a bit of a, bit of a rest and then back at it in 2024. Thanks everyone. Thanks Steve. Thank you, Steve.